Welcome to the Crushing Land Podcast, brought to you by The Land Method. Each week, our host, Jonathan, along with The Land Method team and special guest speakers, will answer your burning questions on land investing or discuss relevant real estate investing strategies and principles. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Crushing Land today. We're happy to have you join us. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today is some state-specific information. Now, we're not going to get into the specifics on the states, but we're going to talk about different things that you need to look at at a state-specific level. And so basically, uh, what this means is a couple different things that it's going, it's going to mean. It's, it's what is there as far as things that you need to look at to put into contracts, also things that you need to look at uh, there that's kind of like the normal protocol that's done. Even if there's no rule or law or regulation or anything like that on it, what is there uh, that's done normally? Um, so one thing that came up in the group somebody was asking about was mineral rights. And the very bottom line uh, with mineral rights is that they often vary by states. And this is changing a little bit uh, in recent times, but uh, some states, it's it's very common for there to be no mineral rights. Uh, we've done deals in the state of Arizona. Arizona is a fairly new state, right? When you look at statehood and how old it is and things like that, Arizona is not that old. And so a lot of it was owned by the government, was owned by railroad companies, was owned by um, other entities beforehand, a larger uh, conglomerates, things like that. And, and most of it just goes back to the state uh, or to the government not that long ago. And so because of that, in that state, a lot of the mineral rights were stripped at that point. But for example, uh, I'm from the Northeast. Uh, I'm from uh, Connecticut, a state that goes back 400 years. I mean, it, the state existed 100 years before the country even existed. And then it was admitted you know, to the Union after the Revolutionary War. I live in North Carolina now, one of the original 13 colonies. Again, the same thing. So in states like that, it's very uncommon for mineral rights to be stripped from a property. It was never done. The deed's just been passed along the, along the line. So that's just one example of something to look at. But one thing I'll say with that is, is don't get too hung up on it when you look at these different examples, uh, because it, things do change. Like, for example, taking mineral rights and excluding them now has become more and more common. People are just doing that just in case, right? They're holding on to things just in case. And so even in areas where it wasn't that common, it's becoming more common. And so the thing you got to look at there then is how much does it affect value? Does it affect value at all? Uh, in a lot of cases, it doesn't uh, have any any bearing on that. For example, I was I was helping a friend recently. Uh, he's buying a piece of property that he's going to build on, and it's an area where mineral rights normally would not be stripped, but they were in this case. And the reason for it was there was a, a major company uh, nearby that's been there for years, and basically they had owned all this land and, and broke it off and had stripped the mineral rights uh, years ago, you know, 100 years ago in this case. And they've never used it. It hasn't done anything. And it hasn't affected any values nearby. So it didn't really matter. And obviously, if they ever came in and wanted to do something with those things, they would have to pay to get there. They can't just come in and take down your house and say, oh, we have the rights. There, there has to be a certain process that's followed. So it usually doesn't make a huge difference, but it does vary state to state, area to area. So it's something to look at. 
That being said, that's not the only example. Uh, there's plenty of things out there that change. Uh, for example, perk testing. We've talked about that last month with with our specialist that was on, and and perk testing. You know, in coastal regions and wetter regions, it's it's common up and down. And even people buying cheap properties want to know, well, has it perked? Is there any issues? Things like that. You go out west into drier climates and things like that. It's it's almost unheard of. It's like, what's a perk test? Right. And now it's called soil testing, but everybody uses the term perk testing. So it's like, you know, what, what is this? So again, more state specific. The other thing that you need to look at when it comes to state specific thing is contracts themselves. Okay. Buying and selling contracts, particularly selling contracts. If you're doing a, a buying contract and you're using uh, our documents and what we're doing, it's obviously simple shorthand form. We're not too concerned about state specifics in that case. But when we go to sell, some states have necessary disclosures, necessary things that need to be set, addressed with the um, to your buyer. And if you don't, there could be repercussions for you. So how do we handle that? Well, it's really simple. Before you start selling properties in a certain area, you take your selling document, your contract that you're going to send to your buyer, and you send it to your real estate attorney or you send it to your title company. You ask them if there's anything that needs to be included that state specific, right? You just go in, you have them make some changes. Generally, if you're going to be doing a lot of deals with them, a lot of business with them, they don't even charge for this. Uh, I haven't been charged for it. One attorney charged me once upfront uh, for, it, and then as we did some more deals with them, they actually gave us a couple discounts on that uh, to make up for that because of that. So it's not a big deal. It's relatively cheap. It's relatively easy, but just something that you want to include. And that goes back to one of the things that we've talked about in in our five day training and other trainings where we talk about don't go crazy. It's more logistical areas and more logistical nightmares when you have to focus on, well, you know, what does this state do? And what does this state do? And how about this one? And what's going on here? And you don't want to have to be dealing with that stuff all the time. So if you focus on just a few areas, it's nice and easy. I have my state specific agreements. I know what works in certain states. And I just use those in the states that I'm working in, which is very limited because there's plenty of deals to be had just in those states, no need to be veering off and, and trying to have you know a, 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 an organization of, of 50 different contracts and 50 different uh, things that that apply to different states and, and how they work and what the protocols are and all. No, there's no reason for that. So again, when it comes down to state specific things, it is good to get a knowledge of it understand it. It's easy to have these conversations with professionals and find that out. Make sure that the contracts are good for that specific state. The, the general contract itself is going to be fine. 97%, 99% of it is going to be fine, but there may be a few sentences that needed that need to be added based on certain things that happen in that state. Fine. You let the attorney put those in or certain things that need to be removed because whatever it may be. So again, nice and easy to work with, things to deal with that. And so because of that, that's why, again, we just focus on a few. So again, when it comes to state specifics, it is good to know. It's good to have this information. It's easy to find out. This isn't something to be like all paranoid about. What do I do? No, it's not difficult. It's really, it's not difficult. It's it's what's the norm when it comes to certain things. Like we talked about perk testing, we talked about mineral rights, there's other things like that. 
what's the norm, what happens there. And then, of course, when it comes to actual contracts, well, then that gets into rules, regulations, disclosures, things like that, what needs to be included. If there's something that's not there that's state-specific that needs to be included, that's why we reach out to attorneys there as we're working there before we sell a piece of property. We just send them the blank, not the blank, but the, the standard agreement that we use with our buyers. We just have them look at it and be like, hey, does anything need to be added to this or removed or changed? And obviously, it's always very minor if there is anything. So again, everybody, that's just a little bit on state specifics and how to deal with them. Thanks for joining us. It's great to have you guys here. Thanks for tuning in uh, each and every week. And again, if you have questions, if you have comments, if anything on this, if there's a topic you want discussed, make sure, you know, post it in the group, let us know about it, and we'll make sure to get to those uh, in due time. So again, everybody, thanks for joining us and have a great day. Thank you listeners for joining in today. Join us again next week for another discussion on all things land. If you have a topic you want discussed, send us an email about it at thelandmethod at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website, thelandmethod.com. Remember to join the Land Method Facebook group as well if you want to be the first to hear this content and be a part of a community that supports each other in our land businesses. Have a great week.